0: Hello and welcome to Dykema's Government Policy Federal Podcast. I'm Jim Brandel, and I'm joined by my colleagues Andy Buchek and Mary Beth McGowan, and today we'll discuss everything that's going on in Washington in Congress and the new administration. We'll take a look at the new 117th Congress, the makeup of both chambers, as well as look to the new Biden administration and some of their new priorities as we look into 2021. With that, Andy, tell us a little bit about now that uh, we're through the inaugural as well as the special elections in Georgia that d- took place on January 5th. What are the makeups of uh, the chambers?
1: Sure. In the House of Representatives, the Democrats still maintain their majority, but they have the, the smallest majority the Democrats have had in the House since World War II which makes for very narrow votes. Democrats can afford to only lose a a handful of of members on on each vote right now. So the current makeup of the House is 221 Democrats to 211 Republicans. And there are still a couple of three vacancies, actually. One is a a death of a representative in Louisiana. And then there's a couple others with one member moving to the administration and one race still undecided. What I would say about the House of Representatives right now is that it is sort of bordering on sort of dysfunctional from a standpoint of there's just an awful lot of animosity and distrust between Democrats and Republicans in the the House right now. You know, we're seeing it play out in a variety of different ways, not the least of which is Democrats are making a move to uh, kick off a Republican off of her committee assignments based on comments she made. Um, you're seeing a lot of sort of comments in reaction to what happened in the Capitol on January 6th between Democrats and Republicans. And the the, red, the the tone and the heat behind the rhetoric has not really died down just yet. And so I think it's going to be sometime between before we start to see any sort of hopes of bipartisanship. I would say the house doesn't necessarily operate on bipartisanship uh, very often to begin with. And I think those relationships are even more frayed than they have been um, recently. So it's something to watch, but it doesn't, what what I would say about it is all of this sort of animosity between the parties has helped unite the Democrats in a way that I don't think after election day, people were expecting. And so even on some of the tougher votes that have taken place so far, it's been almost unanimous with Democrats uh, voting the way their leadership wanted and they haven't had any issues yet. And so we'll see if that continues to hold as well.
2: And over in the Senate, following uh, the special election in Georgia on January, Fifth, we now see a, a new Senate uh, Democratic majority where it's it's a very, very narrow majority. It is split uh, 50 to 50 with Vice President Harris now being that uh, tiebreaker to put the Democrats in charge. Um, what has been happening there, though, they've had to work out a power sharing agreement because of such uh, such a narrow majority so that that just happened and they are now able to move forward to fill committee seats um as had been happening uh the 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 past republican chairman had still been um you know managing committee hearings and and chairing those up up until just recently when they they made this power sharing agreement and now the the switch can happen and we'll see um, the new chairmen, you know, take over the committees, and they will start implementing, you know, their new agenda. Uh, right now, it's going to be um, COVID and new COVID relief measures are in both chambers are the priority. They've the Senate leadership and they've they've decided, and House leadership, they are going to use budget reconciliation to move forward with that. And so the Senate is preparing to. To hold what they call a voterama, where they are going to vote on just numerous uh, amendments, hundreds of them, to all different areas of the budget as they uh, craft their framework and what they want to accomplish uh, in this in this year.
0: So, so with reconciliation, let's let's just touch on that because I'm sure a lot of our listeners aren't ex- um, extremely versed on exactly what that is. And obviously, what that is is it's a very um, arcane type of budget procedure where um, instead of of votes usually needing to make a 60 vote threshold to continue for discussion in the Senate, it allows for a simple majority to proceed with the legislation. And it has to do when um, they can only use that once per budget. And so currently the budget for the uh, fiscal year 2021 was still never um, implemented. So they're using instructions for that budget and so when we look ahead to fiscal year 2022 and that budget we'll probably see another set of uh, instructions on reconciliation where they can bypass some of the normal um thresholds for for votes but Mary Beth, as you said right now covid is kind of the main thing from from you know start to finish of the day when it comes to what biden and the the congress is discussing um, so why don't we talk a little bit about that and some of the things that we're seeing in some of the proposals. Andy, do you want to
1: touch on those? Well, I, I think first and foremost, uh, President Biden is really committed to checks for individuals in the amount of $1,400, which would mean if you add it to the $600 um, checks that were included in the previous bill, that it would, it would come out to that $2,000 level that folks were pushing for at the end of last year. But beyond that, I think there's a a pretty strong commitment to providing more resources to state and local governments. I think there's a strong commitment to provide additional dollars for vaccination, vaccine distribution and testing, along with the extension of the unemployment compensation, which is currently set to expire by March 14th. I think that that timeline is really what's driving this agenda. And another issue that the the president has included in this COVID relief package is increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And as you were talking about reconciliation, reconciliation has a lot of limitations to it as to what can be included and needing to have a a direct budget implication and it can't add to the budget deficit and a whole other set of uh, qualifications in order to, to make it through that process. And there's a lot of doubt that minimum wage could make it through but that does not mean that democrats are not going to try to figure out a way to include it somehow through reconciliation it's been a, a talking point for folks like bernie sanders and elizabeth warren and some of the more progressive members for a long time and so i think that is sort of what the basis of the the proposal that the president has put out is Re- republicans had their own proposal with a lot smaller dollar figures included. It didn't include things like state and local aid. It certainly did not include an increase to the minimum wage. And so we have to see where it goes. Um, just, to, just today, we've seen proposals from Mitt Romney about uh, child uh, funding in a new way that we haven't seen before. And so the, those, dego- those negotiations and discussions are still ongoing. But this train is moving and it's moving fast because Democrats want to meet that March 14th deadline and get something to the president's desk before the unemployment, enhanced unemployment benefits expire.
2: And Jim, you mentioned, you know, there are, we have now, because there was not a budget resolution for last year, this 117th Congress is now able to create three of them. And so some of the other, this first one, budget reconciliation reconciliation process will be used for COVID relief. And some of the other issues that the, the next two are possibilities or expected to be used for would be um, I think infrastructure, which is is the next big thing coming down the pike and possibly some improvements to healthcare. Uh, so you know infrastructure is always on the agenda, but using it as a job creator and doing something more than just um, your traditional surface transportation, infrastructure, you're looking at water infrastructure, um, housing, education, broadband, I think is um, the president has put out a goal on that. The house has um, passed infrastructure legislation that will form the basis of it. So going forward, I think that that over the summer and and further along this year, that's going to be a big priority.
1: Right, because Back when Democrats got their 50-50 majority in the Senate, there was a lot of talk and a lot of the advocacy groups were pushing for uh, elimination of the legislative filibuster. And I think there are an awful lot of Democrats in the Senate that would like to see that go away, but not all of them. And so the, the sort of consolation prize seems to be reconciliation, which still allows legislation to move through the Senate with only a a 50-vote threshold, although, as we said, it does have its limitations to it. But I think you're going to see some very creative approaches out of the Senate as a way to get as much through under reconciliation as possible, since it doesn't seem like right now there's an appetite to eliminate the filibuster.
0: Well, in addition to that, the administration, you know, once we get through the COVID legislation in, in March, Um, Mary Beth, you mentioned infrastructure. There's a host of other uh, areas that the administration is going to be focused on, on the regulatory front um, that may uh, parlay with some of the legislative front, but when it comes to financial services regulation, different labor requirements for employers, um, different tax requirements, um, I think there's going to be a whole host of issues throughout this year that we're going to see teed up uh, as we move forward. Um, as we talked about the Senate, there's been a lot of change in the Senate with that power sharing agreement. Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts is now on the Senate Finance Committee, which has oversight over the IRS and the, the US Treasury. So we expect to see um, a lot of work on um, nonprofits and, uh, and, and money in campaigns and how those are um, are reported and, um, and different implications that are coming from that. Um, there's a host of other things too that I'm not even, uh, touching on, but, um, but I still think there's going to be a, a huge amount of other work once we get through this
1: next COVID package for sure. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And, and I think one of the biggest changes we're going to see from the new administration is just how pervasive their efforts are on climate change and equity issues and how, In the past i think those kinds of issues have been sort of limited to specific bills on environment or specific bills on civil rights and i think there's going to be climate change components and civil rights components to a whole host of issues where we haven't seen it in the past most you know most notably there will certainly be a number of climate change provisions and probably environmental justice provisions included in infrastructure bills we're seeing it already in financial services hearings and issues where those those issues have, you know, not historically been at the forefront, are gaining a whole lot more attention. You know, it's something that Maxine Waters, who chairs the House Financial Services Committee, has, you know, tried to shine a light on. But now with the bully pulpit of the White House behind her, I think she has a lot more you know standing to sort of pursue those issues which have always been a priority for her and I suspect we're going to see a lot more of that and I just think that across the board we're going to see those prior rather than just see a climate change bill I think we're going to see climate change provisions included in just about every bill where there's an opportunity to include something
0: well that's sure a huge list of things that are going to be on the the docket for this year and and this congress going into next year so we're not going to be, um, uh, you know, uh, without issues to talk about. And so please, if there's any of these issues that you're interested in, please reach out to Andy, Maribeth, or myself. We'll be discussing these issues in more in upcoming podcasts. So we encourage you to keep checking social media for Diacomus Podcasts, and we look forward to continuing this conversation with you. So from all of us, thank you for uh, tuning in, and we look forward to talking with you in the future.